This is The Wild Around Us. I'm Jeremy, your personal naturalist, coming to you from the Squam Lakes Natural Science Center, where we advance understanding of ecology by exploring nature. This episode, we have an adaptation of the day, animal deep dive, and we'll get back to our nature noise and have a new one as well. Our adaptation of the day is pretty simple. It's common, yet little noticed. Here in the northern part of the U.S., we put on something to cover our ears almost every day. The fur on a gray squirrel is thick almost everywhere from the bushy tail across its body. Next time you're out, look at the ears. The ears' fur are a bit thinner. That's kind of similar to my cat that I have at home. But in the winter, they grow white ear fluffs behind their ears. Pay close attention to that next time you have a squirrel sitting at your feeder or hanging out in a tree nearby. Look at the white behind their ears. And then take a look again in the spring or summer. Is the white still there? This extra bit of fluff helps to keep that part of their body warm where the fur is a little bit thinner. Winter is hard. Cold, crusty snow to walk through, less daylight to get things done. Winter is a struggle for us all. Well, this predator defies winter. This week's deep dive is the great horned owl. Now, some of the things that help the great horned owl in the winter will help it all times of the year, too. However, in the winter, these adaptations separate it from many of the other larger predators. Now, when I say large, they aren't the biggest animals. They only weigh about three pounds, three and a half pounds. There will be a couple of larger owls, like the great gray owl or the snowy owl. But this is the largest owl that we have that nests here where I am in New Hampshire. And the first adaptation is one of those general ones that's going to help them no matter what the season is. But I have to start here, and that is their talons. They have sharp talons that can apply two to 500 pounds per square inch of pressure onto their prey. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I would want to be a mouse in that situation. Not only that, Normally when we think of raptors, we think of three talons in the front and one talon in the back. Well, owls can switch and go two in the front and two in the back, which you can imagine would be pretty handy for grasping their prey or even perching on a branch. But grasping their prey at two to 500 pounds per square inch, that's, that's the main way that they are capturing their food. Anything from mice, squirrels, small prey like that, up to the size of a skunk. Remember how I said the owl only weighs about three to three and a half pounds? Well, skunks can weigh up to about nine pounds. 
So a three-pound animal capturing something that weighs three times its body weight. That's pretty impressive. And this time of year, when skunks start to emerge from their winter den where they spend a lot of time staying warm from those colder temperatures, mid-late February when we start getting those warm-ups, those skunks will emerge and become more readily available for the great horned owl. But another helpful adaptation is their asymmetric ears. With the left ear being situated a little bit lower than the right ear, the prey that they would go after, something like a a vole or a mouse, they tunnel underneath the snow, staying away from predators that might use their eyes to find their food. Those ears being asymmetric, allow them to hear things and pinpoint exactly where something is, even though they might not be able to see it. Combine that with the feathers that go around their face, called a facial disc. That facial disc draws sound into those asymmetric ears, making things that are normally quiet seem less quiet. Now, talons ready, hearing where their prey is, even under the snow, flying through a forest quietly. They can approach their prey using fleece-like feathers to minimize the sound. This would be especially handy if their prey was above the snow. Any sticks or branches or leaves that might be in the way, they can spot using their large eyes. And even if they did have to fly through some smaller branches, they can close their nictitating membrane, which is a clear eyelid allowing them to see through while having their eye still protected. So they can fly through those branches, they can see where the branches are, swooping down quietly, grasping their prey with those powerful talons, and getting food, especially well in the winter when a lot of that food is hiding underneath the snow. So great horned owls are master hunters, and they also can combat the cold fairly well. They have feathers on the tips of their toes and all across their body. And feathers are one of the warmest things that we have on this planet, which is why I know I have a coat that has feathers in it to keep me warm. But the cold also plays a factor in eating the food that they just caught. Think about that six to nine pound skunk that they just caught isn't going to get eaten in one sitting. But for the owl, frozen food is no big deal. They can conveniently warm their food, defrosting it, holding it against their body, kind of like the same way that they keep their eggs and chicks warm. They incubate the food to thaw it out. And speaking of warming their chicks and their feathers as well, this is a great time to hear the great horned owl. That classic hoot. Not unlike the barred owl, 
we heard in the first episode. Only a little bit of a deeper tone. And that's because they will be calling from the end of December through January into February when finally they might be on the nest in February. And that also brings us back to the feathers. Think how warm those feathers must be to keep the eggs incubated in the middle of winter. February is still very cold here in New England. Great horned owls really do defy winter. They're spectacular hunters, and they don't stop doing that just because the snow is on the ground. In fact, because of their large predator impact on the forest where they live, I think their nickname of Tiger of the Night is pretty accurate. So keep your ears and eyes peeled for their impressive presence in a forest near you. Last week, I played this nature noise. Okay, so I'll admit that maybe I went a little too far after having to add some challenge from our last nature noise, which the barred owl was just way too easy for you. I had a couple of guesses, uh, everything from some kind of bird to a mouse, but this nature noise uh, was a little bit different. I did give you a clue that this is one that an adult wild animal wouldn't make. And what I mean by that is this is an adult but it is in captivity. It's been in captivity from a very young age. This was one of our mountain lions as a keeper was coming with some food. So it was kind of begging or excited for food in a way that a young mountain lion in the wild would do the same thing. But it just hasn't lost that habit because it's lived in captivity all its life. So let's listen one more time as this excited mountain lion gets ready to get some food. And now a new nature noise. If you have any guesses, you can send your guess to jeremy.phillips at nhnature.org. And if you have any sounds that you want to share with me, please send it to the same email. That's jeremy.phillips at nhnature.org. 
And that's our episode for today. I hope you get out and explore the wild around you. Enjoy.